Welcome to Dermatology Morning Commute. Trials underway, clinical developments in parigo nodularis. Morning Commute is developed by Projects and Knowledge, powered by Kaplan, and is part of a continuing medical education series. This independent CME-CE activity is supported by an educational grant from Sanofi and Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. In this fifth and final episode on Parigo nodularis, Dr. Sean Quatra and Dr. Serena Amaria discuss current clinical trials. On September 29, 2022, after this podcast series was recorded, the FDA approved dupilumab subcutaneous injection for the treatment of adults with Parigo nodularis. This is the first approved treatment for PN. Information about the faculty and disclosures can be found at morningcommutepodcast.com forward slash pnodularis5. You can use this link to receive your credit and evaluate this program. The URL can also be accessed in the episode notes. Dr. Quatra is an associate professor of dermatology at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, Baltimore. Dr. Almaria is an assistant professor at Harvard Medical School and part of the faculty in the Department of Dermatology at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. I am your host, Candace Hoffman. Dr. Quatra will begin our discussion. Serena, welcome back for our last episode of our podcast series on Paragonagularis. We talked a lot about diagnosis and current treatments, including off-label systemic treatments. But now we have some systemic treatments that are currently in later stage trials, and one, uh, dupilumab, that has actually already completed uh, phase three trials and are set to uh, have uh, be reviewed for FDA approval. So we have several new agents uh, that are far along the pipeline, and so now is a good time to talk about emerging therapies and what we may expect. You know, if I could just say one thing here, you know, we've alluded to this a couple of times already that some of these agents have been introduced for parigonodularis or being evaluated for parigonodularis based on, you know, a multitude of case reports implicating either the mechanism or based on, again, in the case of dupilumab, there have been case series as well uh, that kind of prompted some of these studies. So we'll talk a little bit about that data, but really even in terms of some of the agents people may not have heard of, uh, that, you know, these drugs have been introduced in part because of the evolving pathophysiology, but they've also fed our study of um, a prigonodularis. And I just really want to highlight that. So, you know, I think the the most exciting data that we have right now is, is you know, dupilumab potentially coming online very soon um, as the first FDA-approved drug for parigonodularis. And there were um, two larger phase three trials, these double-blind placebo-controlled trials evaluating the efficacy and safety um, in dupilumab. That's the prime and prime two trials. Um, so these were each 24-week studies that looked at patients who were um, had PN that were inadequately controlled with topicals or um, in whom topicals were not advised. And they were receiving dupilumab or placebo every two weeks. They were actually um, able to use, I think, in these trials. You can correct me if I'm wrong, um, 
touch on, but they were able to use topicals. Um, certainly in, in prime, they could either use lower medium dose topical steroids or topical calcineurin inhibitors if they were already on these treatments. And that was about a hundred, prime was about 151 patients, adults, um, in which they were receiving these therapies. And in the PRIME trial, I think they saw that about three times as many patients who were on dupilumab actually experienced kind of clinically meaningful reduction in their itch um, from baseline compared to placebo, uh, where I think it was about you know, 18 to 20% of placebo patients had improvement in their itch um, compared to like 60% of patients that were on dupilumab. Um, and similarly, a similar number achieved clear or almost clear skin based on an investigator kind of global um, score. Uh, and then there were just these really impressive improvements in, you know, quality of life related symptoms. So, and much of that was also seen in prime two, uh, Sean, what were your, your thoughts on these trials, how they were, you know, how they were designed and what you, um, you know, what were your take-homes from it? Yeah, that was a great overview, Serena. So especially if you look at, say, uh, if we zoom in on uh, Prime uh, and we look at week 24, what we found is a, a meaningful itch reduction. So say four point drop, which in my view is very significant and meaningful for patients to have a four point drop from zero to 10, you had about at a week 24, about 60% of Dupixent uh, patients compared to 18% of placebo. What was also interesting is you had nearly three times as many Dupixent patients um, that have clear or almost clear skin, which is only a few nodules that are remaining. So to me, what was miraculous is, okay, the itch is better, but actually the nodules are also healing within that time frame. And our general outlook is that the itch precedes fiber, uh, nodule development. And if the itch is reduced, then we obviously expect those nodules to also flatten because you're not having that repetitive scratching. But the question was, how long would it take for them to flatten? Because they're certainly delayed. Our barometer of treatment success is first itch reduction. But even within that time frame, uh, even at the earlier time point as well, uh, to show that, that actually more patients are having these nodules flatten as well, which is a very significant thing and actually highlights the role, the important role that we have of IL-4 and IL-13, uh, as well as IL-31 and other mediators on fibroblast biology and how we're having, we talked about direct immune effects and neural effects. There's also direct effects on fibroblasts. I truly believe that to help um, these nodules flatten. So to me, that was very significant seeing both um, the itch improve and uh, the nodules flatten. Uh, we only saw a little bit of the data, so it'll be uh, very interesting to see all of it complete later on. Uh, so that's uh, amazing uh, to know about. Yeah. And, you know, one thing to highlight with these trials that they were obviously multi-center, they were across the U.S. and Europe and, and really around the world that they had, um, you know, um, patients of all of all backgrounds. And really there was this um, pretty overwhelming uh, response. I will say that, again, we have to, PN is an incredibly difficult condition to manage. I mean, we've seen drugs like, as we talked about before, like cyclosporin, you know, in my personal experience, tacrolimus, right? These are drugs we use to suppress 
transplanted organs. And we have seen those not be like even hit the numbers that we're now seeing now, you know, in these trials and even with some of the other agents in terms of reducing the itch as well as the other symptoms, cutaneous symptoms. And as you mentioned, the the resolution of nodules. And I can't, you know, we were recently at a meeting, Sean and I, where we, um, we're talking to a colleague who manages patients with these. And, you know, I would say, well, the majority of patients really are burdened by the itch. Like that's their number one complaint. There are a handful of patients where it is a very, very short, um, you know, distance between their discomfort with how the appearance of the nodules. And so the fact that some of the hyperpigmentation lessens that the fibrotic, you know, aspect goes away, um, Sean, I even remember you telling me about a patient who um, was on any number of therapies who ultimately did respond to dupilumab, um, who was able to, was just so excited, right? I remember you telling me, um, so excited about the fact that she could wear short sleeves and a skirt. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's just, it's amazing. And I, and I have countless patients where it's the same, you know, situation. So I think that that's, um, you know, that's wonderful. And again, just to to bring it back to the trials and the medications, you know, even in prime two, we saw this threefold improvement and all of those same indices, you know, again, we're still kind of waiting for all of the data to, to, to come out, but it's, um, you know, it's clear that a large number of PN patients uh, are, are finding improvement with dupe Pilumab, um, in this trial. And so, but there are other agents too, right. That are, that are cr- addressing some of the, you know, the cytokines that contribute to the pathophysiology. There's nemalizumab, right. Um, where there's phase two trial data, as well as phase three, you know, in that's in process. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So, uh, nemalizumab is, uh, you know, blocking IL-31 receptor and, uh, it's been established that IL-31 is a, one of the master itch cytokines as well, in addition to some of the other ones we talked about, uh, 4 and 13. And it's expressed in the skin, the spinal cord, many different uh, cell types, macrophages, T-cells, immune cells are expressing it. And uh, in the phase two trial that's published, actually, what was found was that nemalizumab had very rapid itch relief. So even on the order of like a week, uh, you know, there was... A significant change uh, in, in itch, even um, as much as several uh, points, and by four weeks was over 50% reduced. And uh, patients in that trial actually had only had a few injections at week zero, four, and eight, and many of them were still clear even 10 weeks later, which is kind of crazy because it suggests you may have a little bit longer term uh, remittive effects. So that's also uh, very interesting. There was recently an announcement of uh, phase three data that was um, positive from Olympia two. That's a 16 week therapy session that also showed significant results in terms of uh, resolution of nodules and also itch reduction. 56% of patients in that 16 week marker um, had uh, at least a four point drop in the itch, which was significant compared to placebo. And again, in this trial, actually the patients didn't receive topical steroids either. Um, and so yeah, that's an important point. It's an important, you know, consideration uh, that they didn't um, have any topical steroids. So it kind of highlights how potent that would be. And uh, the other kind of phase three trial that that's uh, ongoing, we're waiting on on that data. But this certainly looks um, the data looks very impressive as well. So can I can I just um, stop for one second because I really want to highlight one point that you brought up, which is that 
there seems to be remittive effects of some of these interventions. And the reason why this is important is not only, right, in terms of the fact that we will be reducing the burden of PN itself, but exactly for the reasons that you highlighted in one of our previous podcasts, that there are impacts for the health and well-being of many of these individuals where we could potentially, by reducing the inflammation, by reducing the itch burden, um, you know, really just reducing the burden of PN in these individuals, be having longer-term effects. Now, we can't conclude that from these studies, right? But just from taking a broader, you know, 10,000-foot view of disease, it would be amazing, right? If we go from not being able to really touch these patients with like huge intense drugs that have their own side effect profiles that bear potential, you know, impact on their kidneys or their liver function and these antibodies and other agents that monoclonal antibodies and other agents that may have a much more favorable safety profile. So we should actually, I guess, address that both for, again, dupilumab, but even imilizumab. I mean, they were incredibly well tolerated with very favorable safety signals. And so I, I think that that's something where even just from that risk, you know, benefit, perspective is, I think for me as a practicing clinician, seeing these patients just gives me so much hope. And I think that's wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's kind of like we're at Christmas now when we went so many years with nothing <laughs> being punished. And now we're sitting here with all these great therapies that are on the horizon. So, uh, you know, beyond those two biologics, uh, there's also a number of other agents that are in trials. Um, there's um, a couple of JAK1 selective inhibitors. So there's uh, a drug uh, from Insight um, that is a JAK1 inhibitor, and that's undergoing uh, phase two trials um, currently for pregnenogenesis. And as we discussed, IL-4, 13, and 31 are important in PN, but we also know there's a role for IL-22 um, and some of the other mediators. So that'll be very interesting. Uh, there's uh, also abracitinib, uh, which is another JAK1 inhibitor, uh, is ha um, in a phase two trial. And uh, then uh, in addition to that, so those are the JAK uh, inhibitors, and we've talked about the several agents that modulate the immune axis. Um, there's also uh, other agents as well. There's a drug, uh, Vixarolimab, that also targets Oncostatin M, in addition to IL-31 uh, that's going on. And, um, right. So let's for a second, you know, maybe it's worth even talking about that. Um, you know, that is, it's, it's really the other end of the spectrum, you know, that goes hand in hand when you're thinking about IL-31 signaling, we know that IL-31 is a, a cytokine that can direct, it's a direct burtogen. So it can actually induce itching, uh, and, um, it functions through the IL-31 receptor as well as the oncostatin M receptor. And so here, as opposed to blocking IL-31, we're blocking, um, you know, the oncostatin M receptor, uh, but so it's partner, but the, um, that's in phase two trials now? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so, and I know that in the phase two trials, they were looking over, you know, over an eight week period, they saw a significant reduction in kind of the average, you know, worst itch scale, um, numeric rating scale, uh, you know, averaged over a week. They also saw improvement in the investigator global assessment for prigonodularis at week eight compared to placebo. So I think there's just been a lot of, of movement um, in this area by modulating these, these 
you know, peripheral immune factors, but that are clearly impacting nerve function. Um, you know, and on that, that same note, like we, you know, the, the field, right, is not just focusing on the immune factors, but they are starting to really focus on and how we might be able to target nerves um, themselves. And so there's nalbifine, right? So there's the, the PRISM trial paritis relief through the itch scratch modulation. It's a synthetic opioid agonist antagonist that is being studied and is also, we're still awaiting um, results. So that trial's ongoing, but the idea that we're starting not just to focus, have multiple drugs that focus on one mechanism or, or no mechanism, right? Like they're just so broad. We're now focusing on all of these, these different components of disease. And so, like you said, it's kind of almost like Christmas or whatever you celebrate, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then there's also some like other agents like um, that are early stage. So there's a compound CDX0159, uh, which is actually a monoclonal antibody that inhibits tyrosine kinase and KIT receptors, which is very fascinating. Um, right. And then also, if we look a little bit towards uh, atopic dermatitis, you can see that there are rumblings of other types of compounds uh, like uh, targeting uh, the OX40 axis. Uh, none of those are in yet with pyrigonodularis, but I'm sure the future uh, is going to hold many of these therapies undergoing trials. So overall, the landscape is much uh, more busy than it was just a few years ago. And, you know, I think we've, we've come a, a huge way. And I think especially with the immune targets for PN, that's been the biggest development, I think, in my eyes, especially since the failure of Serlopatit uh, with the substance P antagonist. Actually having multiple of these trials now reading out in phase three with such robust um, data for immune-related targets, I think that alone is helping us understand the drivers of disease in PN and how important immune dysregulation is in this disease. I mean, oftentimes we thought, okay, you're going to need a different mechanism than atopic dermatitis and psoriasis, like not even modulating the immune system, but having that knowledge now that actually we can continue to target things uh, with uh, monoclonal antibodies or small molecule inhibitors. And then uh, I think we're going to learn more about the role, like you suggested, about some of these neuronal mediators uh, that are going to be involved in how to modulate those pathways. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, as a, as, as somebody with a, um, you know, just a, a history and kind of firm fitting form, you know, firm footing in basic science, I will say that to me, the beauty of all this, right. Is that it's not that we are saying, you know, this is an atopic dermatitis drug. It's that we are beginning to appreciate the pathophysiology and how these cytokines that may be involved and manifest in one way in atopic dermatitis, or may be involved and manifest in other aspects of, of, you know, psoriasis or other disorders, right. How it is really the complex interplay of these cytokines um, and other signaling molecules and neuropeptides and fibrotic pro, you know, um, fibrotic uh, inflammatory and inflammatory agents are how they're interacting to make a specific 
disorder become that disorder, right? And so as we as we have other, you know, this is something we've done really well in dermatology is work backwards, right? We figure out the pathophysiology from the drugs that exist. And so the more targeted the drugs are, the better our understanding of a disease process will be. And, you know, to highlight the fact that we will be able to touch upon the itch, you know, whether that is, you know, something that you need immediate impact on versus a modulatory effect, maybe end up being different for different patients. Right. And I think that is something that will evolve as we finally have these FDA approved systemic therapies for our patients, you know, and that'll be work that you're going to continue. I know. And some of our talented colleagues are going to continue and figuring out, you know, what is the right therapy for this patient? And it may even come down to what is the right therapy for this patient at this time in the evolution of their disease. Right. Absolutely. Really excited about that. Well, I thank you so much, uh, Serena, and I thank the audience for those that are uh, still listening. And uh, it's been a, a great session talking about Paragonagillaris. Remember to receive your credit and evaluate this program. Please visit morningcommutepodcast.com forward slash pnagillaris5. Look for all of the episodes in this series and all of our other podcasts on your favorite podcast streaming services or download our Morning Commute app. Thank you for joining us today.